Welcome to the Persistence You podcast with Lisbeth, and that's you as in university. But we're much more of a community here. I'm your host, Lisbeth Meredith, author, speaker, and online teacher. Each week, I'll be delivering stories from amazing survivors and strivers, all threaded together with a dose of persistence. So glad you're listening. Would you like to know how to get on a podcast? Today, we know that podcasts are authors' next book tour, and they're perfect for business owners as well, or just people who like to connect with others. But not everyone knows how to pitch a podcast or maximize the benefit of being on one. Trust me, I field emails every day and shake my head. I've got a freebie for you in show notes on how to be a beloved podcast guest. Feel free to download. Her sisters, I am so pleased to have a wonderful guest from Heidelberg, Germany, but originally she was, she is from the United States. Today we have Annabelle B. Bauman, and B. is the author of a fun book that I have in my hands right now called Girl, You Ain't Crazy, Self-Help for Your Funny Bone, but B. has an interesting business as well, and I will say more about that in the show notes. But in Germany right now, she does cultural, intercultural business training and is a humorous motivational speaker. And she didn't become a stand-up comedian until well into adulthood. And so I'm so excited to hear what B has to say because B has gone from foster care to stand-up comedian. Now that is not easy. So B, welcome and thanks for being here. Oh, thanks, Elizabeth, for having me. Now, you grew up in Indiana, correct? Can you tell us a little bit about your childhood? And maybe it wasn't terribly funny back in the day, but you have managed to make it a great story that you incorporate into your work. Exactly. Well, I was actually raised by a, uh, a Christian home with two other children in it. And uh, we believed that this foster home was our parents, that they were our parents, because I have been there since I was a baby. And yes, and then when I turned 12, my real mother just showed up and like, you know, daytime TV, she said, hello, I'm your mom. So, you know, it, so from there, my life just went from, you know, um, color to black and white, where um, I saw, you know, so much that was negative that I hadn't known about before because I, I was like in church three, three, heck, five times a week. I mean, we were in there. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it was, yeah, it was like day and night. You know, a lot of times, especially I worked with kids in foster care throughout my career in government work. A lot of times we don't think about foster care as being so positive. But you really had a great experience being incorporated into that family. And then suddenly your mom shows up. Tell us a little bit about your the, the wonderful things you got in foster care, but then also some of the struggles your mom had. Okay. Please. Oh, yes. Well, as I said, they um, the Townsends were an older couple. So they were about in their 50s when I was a toddler. So they were an older couple raising three kids. And it was a middle-class family. 
we lived in the suburbs. Like I said, we were big in the church, even to where the pastor would take us to us kids to his house for the weekend. And yes, and so I I had all of this love and 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 also a respect for adults and you know this need to be obedient because that's what children are to be seen and not heard. And so obedience was big, but then it seemed positive. And then when my mother came back and she um, got all of her children, she had some of them before. I was the only one that she didn't have a relationship with before. So the other- How many kids did she have, B? She had eight children. Oh, okay, a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And my older sisters were out of the house and there were five boys, um, you know, three in the house and two out. And um, it was just sort of a dog eat dog existence. I was a stranger to them. I didn't sound like, um, you know, an inner city kid because I hadn't been. And so people would say things like, you sound like you're white or you, you think you're better than everybody don't you oh wow oh wow and just because listeners won't know without looking at show notes you're not white was your foster family white no no they were african-american too okay and so yes and so um sort of a model family like i said in the church um and then when my mother came it was like the next weekend they they packed my stuff up and sent me to live with her. And she um, said to me, I don't want you speaking to your foster mother anymore. Oh, And because I was an obedient child, it didn't even occur to me to be like, what? No, you know, it was like, okay, that's what she said. And that's so hard. It was harsh. It was harsh. And, And of course she was struggling with mental illness and, poverty. She was in school while I was, um, while I was a teenager going back for actually for a degree in psychology. Um, yeah, yeah. So she, she was, she wasn't, uh, not educated. She was just struggling. She was just struggling on all fronts and she was trying to make, um, to make things, um, okay. But unfortunately, Things were not okay, and and one of the reasons was because um, we had an insecure situation, an un, um, yeah, an insecure situation with food and um, you know money. Uh, I mean, we had a house, but there were times when we got evicted too um, because we moved around from Indiana then to Colorado. Um, and Chicago, we lived there for a little while. So it was, she, I can't say she didn't try. It was just hard for her. And it was hard for me because I did not know her. And so she didn't know me. And so there was never sort of um, an easy connection for us, which was unfortunate, but true. She was a stranger to you and your siblings may have felt like because you grew up differently, you thought you were better than them. And so you were an outsider, it sounds like, even in your own biological family. Yes. And lost contact. The interesting thing, too, is it sounds like you lost contact with the only family you'd known and the only siblings you'd known. 
And this was pre-internet days. So it wasn't like you could Facebook friend them or send them a messenger or find them on Instagram. This was a big, big deal. One day, everything was great. And the next day, things were a struggle. Exactly. So how did you manage to navigate some of this? Well, I have to say that I had PTSD. I mean, I, I, I was traumatized a great deal, bullied in school, um, and I just tried to make do. You know, I tried not to to stand out. I tried to, you know, to sort of. Um, I became like shy and introverted, and never felt like I belonged. And it made me sort of an outsider in my own life, always feeling like I did not fit in. And, um, and I, I managed to, to finish, um, you know, high school and got my GED and um, decided to go to college. Um, but this was after I met my, my husband and had my children. So I, I struggled. Yeah. But it was like, I knew I there was more to me. I knew I wanted more out of life. And so I kept struggling to get to the next step. Good for you. Good for you. And, and not an easy struggle whatsoever. It's funny. You mentioned the part about being, you know, feeling like an outsider in your own family and in school and all of that, because while that is a painful experience, if it weren't for people like you, there would be no artists, there would be no writers. Honestly, that's what comedy and art is all about is people creating their tribe when they didn't fit in. So I mean, that's later on kind of turned out to be a blessing. So I remember in your book, you mentioned you sort of thought that marriage was going to be your savior. And I think that's true for a lot of women. I do. I think that's we're still raising young women with the notion that someday they will be rescued from every difficulty because they will meet that perfect person. And how sad. But uh, <laughs> what was your experience? You know, I know you're happily married now, but what was your experience when you were a young person? And that was sort of your mindset. Yes, that was my m- mindset growing up with Cinderella, this idea yes. of that I needed a home, you know, to settle down and make my nest. And and I tried and he tried, um, but we were both too immature. Um, like we really struggled to um, to communicate with one another because he still wanted to be out in the streets or doing other things. And so, um, and yeah, so our connection sort of fell apart as we were in Germany and we had the two small kids, but, um, and it was a great time for me and the kids. So it was, you know, it was a, a mixed blessing because I was out of the U.S. And so I got a bigger worldview and I did get to make this family um, last at least for the six or seven years that we were together. And then when we got back to the U.S., um, it just fell apart. And that's when I decided I needed to get my college degree. If nothing else, I felt like I needed to have a bachelor's, you know. And um, my ex-husband agreed to take the kids to his parents. And so that helped a great deal. Yeah. Yeah, so. Good, good. Yeah. and you pursued an education, right? 
I did. And um, my ex-husband and I remained friends. And it was just, like I said, this inner drive that told me that I, you know, was made for more or that, that I was hungry for more. I remember <laughs> my husband, I freaked about my ex-husband. I freaked him out because I um, put up, I posted around our apartment pictures of people like Oppenheimer and Einstein and all these white men, <laughs> you know, but they were all considered geniuses. Right. And your husband's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. what, do, Hello? what do you mean with this? Yeah. What are you trying to say? <laughs> but it was just that feeling of wanting to be around thinkers, wanting to be around people who wanted more. Right. I love it. I love it. Now, today, your life is very different. When did you know that you had the chops to take very, very, very painful uh, childhood and some early experiences and turn them into something that people could feel comfortable about themselves and learn from you and, and laugh? When did you know that that could be a, your superpower? Well, when my husband and I got to Germany, again, I and I say in, in my book that there were times where I tried to, to strike out on my own or I tried to stand out and then I'd get scared and then I would retract, you know, I would go back. And so when we moved to Germany, it was like, um, I want to sort of hide and I'm, I'm hiding out, you know, in plain sight because I'm African-American in Germany. Um <laughs> And so I was looking for, like you said, my tribe, and I found Toastmasters, which is a speech organization, and decided they're speaking English, and I love writing. So I went to a meeting, and there is where I honed my voice. And it was not too long after that that I saw a little, um, uh, on Pinterest, I saw one of those um, idioms that said, um, why are you trying to fit in when you were born to stand out? Beautiful. <laughs> that makes so much sense. You know, it just finally made sense to me that it just is not my role to fit in, you know. And so my role is to be uncomfortable. <laughs> my role is to help other people to see that it's okay to be uncomfortable it's okay to find your own voice and um, and to step outside your comfort zone and, and grow. And like you said, uh, humor became my outlet when I was trying to think of how did I want to use my voice to help people. And for me, for me, humor is rebellion. And so it just felt right. And I, somebody said the the law of levity supersedes the law of gravity and, and it's true light it is lighter than heaviness and so um if we can laugh about things if we can um find a way to get another perspective and that's what i try to help people do i love that you turn that into a profession and a way to help people be comfortable with you and to help you be comfortable with you and, and vice versa. They could feel comfortable in their own skin, celebrate whoever they are. Exactly. And then I, 
when I went and got my certification as an interculturalist, I decided I wanted to talk about intrapersonal communication, which is the talk we have with ourselves, you know, that inner dialogue. And that was ironic because when I turned 37, I actually had a split in my own consciousness uh, and suffered from schizophrenia. And, And so that's part of my history. And even though I found that I could medicate and, and be well, I still had my own voice to, to manage. And that voice was not a friend at first. You know, I had to befriend myself. And that's what I try to help other people with is this idea of what are you saying to yourself? You know, how are you, trans- can you transform negative feelings? As you said, um, you know, that background doesn't have to, that um, the past is is just a chapter. It's not the book, you know. And to, to I love that. Absolutely. It's just a chapter. And you have a lot of influence on how you write the middle and the end. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that I really consider as I do my own future writings is like, I want everyone to know, like, yes, we've all had different experiences in the past, but we have a lot of ability to figure out how we want the middle and the ending to go. Not, not all the control. We don't control everything that happens to us. We don't control our destiny. I, mean, I don't want to pretend any of that, but we have a lot of influence in how we metabolize experiences. Right. And that's the one thing no one can take away from you is how you think about a situation, you know, your, your inner um, life and how rich that is and what you believe about yourself that uh, helps you to, to grow. Um, You know, um, oh, there was a famous female poet who, who wrote the geraniums on my windowsill and her name will come back to me. Um, but the geraniums of my window still, and she was very cloistered. She was very introverted. So she really did not leave her home, but she still managed to have such an impact on the world. So it's not that we have to do something great. You know, you don't have to be the mighty oak. Maybe it is my, even my position to, to be that shrub at the side of the road that helps people that walk past me. And maybe mm-hmm. that is as big as my um, ring of influences. And that's big enough. That is big enough as long as I can touch one person. I love that. That is fantastic. So how are you enjoying your business and life in Germany now? Now that you're, oh, and, I, and I guess I also want to hear, how did you do your first stand-up comedy? Because that is huge. It's a dream of mine to try it one time in a town that I know no one. So tell tell us about that, B, because so often we say to ourselves as mature women, well, I wish I would have pursued this dream. I wish I would have tried this certain thing and as though we're dead. And no, you've done a lot. You know, what I would say to, to anyone listening is to not keep it inside. If you have a dream Talk about it, you know, tell people, because when you tell people, then 
they add to the energy of your dream. And you never know who's going to be that person who, who, who helps give you a perspective or a lead or a telephone number, or, or, or you just don't know. So um, I wanted to become a, a comic and I started telling people around me and I belong to a, a Heidelberg International Professional Women's Group. And one of the women there who was doing meetups and meetups.com is like all over the world. And she had a group for, for, for comic, people who were in Heidelberg. And I said, I want to do stand-up. And, and, and there was a comedy show every month at this um, Irish club O'Reilly's. And she said, well, I spoke to, and I forget his name. She said, I spoke to him and uh, you have five minutes. Just wow. like that. Just like that. And so I... You know, I went and uh, and I honed uh, honed it, and I did my five minutes, and yeah, and it's so amazing. That's the other thing I want to say. Before you do something, it looms so large in your mind. It's like, oh my goodness, you know, how is this going to work? But then when you do it, ironically, when you look back. It's like, oh, that was, you know, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Then all of a sudden, it's not that hard anymore. Uh, and a lot of people I find do that. Um, as soon as they achieve something, all of a sudden, it doesn't seem like such a huge uh, accomplishment. And uh, so, so it's nice when other people can say to us, yeah, that you did that. That was great. Um, I also joined the... Um, Speakers uh, Association of South Africa, which which oh, I love wow. being a member of. Yes, because I had to choose in the UK. I thought the UK would be sort of crowded. It's a crowded platform, um, but the PSA is is a little more welcoming or relaxed. I felt, you know, I felt as if I had come home. You know, I just love being in this club. Uh, the Speakers Club and um, being there as an associate, I started um, honing my motivational speeches and giving, I gave a motivational speech for Women's Day. And, you know, um, I, you know, I, one of my messages was don't keep your can on the shelf, you know, mm -hmm. use your can <laughs> and, 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 and use the sisterhood. Use your friends, your network, and that's what I've what I've been able to do um, with uh, um, also having um, you know vision boards and positive friends and um, positive uh, role models. Uh, yeah, I've I've just been able to cobble together from my past this bigger thing that I am very proud of. I think that's so terrific. And like you said, when you do that thing that had been looming large, and sometimes we fail at the thing that we tried, and that's fine as long as we try it. Yep. But once you do it, then you can say, well, I did that. So what can I do? What can't I do? You know, I mean, if I made that huge, but I did it, well, I can probably do that next thing that was on my list or that next dream of mine that I've been burying. And so I love that you gave yourself permission and you've done it. 
So congratulations. And I really want people to understand that like this does not matter the age that we are. We bring value to the world and we still have dreams and passions to chase down. It's time. Exactly. And I always call myself a midlife beginner, you know, and because this is I started in the middle and and with what I had and tried to see, um, you know, how I could shape um, my life for me, you know, how I could build with the tools that I had. And that's what we have to do is with the tools we have, um, see what we can create and then try to build on that with more knowledge, with connections, with, um, you know, spirituality or things that help us to find that center and that positivity to, to live a dream. I think that's terrific. And I love that you picked some tools and some supports out there that were accessible to anyone, really accessible to anyone. Even if all you have is the library computer to use these days, you can participate in Toastmasters, depending on the chapter. You can be in a meetup virtually or in person, depending on which area you're living in and join one of those groups you talked about. There's always someone who's willing to reach a hand out Exactly. to help pull you along when you express your intention. Exactly. It, it, that's it, intentionality. And and also, you can start your own group. You don't that's have right. to wait. That's Sometimes we're still waiting for permission from someone. And I have to also say that to myself over and over again, that, um, you know, you can also um, be a, a driver. You don't have to be passive. Um, like a meetup. Like, you can start your own meetup. It doesn't cost anything. You can start one. So, um, yeah, just try to think creatively how you can just take the next step, just the next step, you know, and then then see where that puts you. You know, you you can you can only see like, I don't know, two feet in front of you when you're driving at night, but you can make it all the way home. You know, you just have to see the next step. I love that. I adore that. Now, B, and again, I'll say the full name because you're Annabelle B is your nickname, Bauman. Mm-hmm. But where can people connect with you and find out more about the work you're doing? Well, I have a website, um, AnnabelleBauman.com, and um, I'm doing TikToks. Um, so there's humor there. Um, for people who want just a quick joke, be Balman, TikTok, be Balman. And yes, uh, I'm just right now looking at um, writing my next book. And I really hope people get um, something from my first book because it's humorous, but also I think it's a chance to say, um, give yourself space, you know, forgive yourself. Um, for 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 things that you can um, forgive yourself for and um, just take that next step. Love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. And I hope we stay in touch. This was fabulous. Thank you so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow. And if you've really, really enjoyed it, tell a friend and go ahead and give us a review. I'll see you next week. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.